Good evening, guys. Happy spring break to you guys. <clears throat> You're here. It's great. Tonight, I'm sharing a transformational verse for you if you allow it to transform you. It is Romans 6, 12, and 13. It says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. What's not highlighted there that I want to highlight for you are three specific words. Reign, obey, and offer. Reign, obey, and offer. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. And do not offer yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. These are the three key words tonight. Now, in recent times, I've kind of gotten nerdy in the scriptures. Like, I love to find out what a particular Greek word means because I thought, like, any good preacher does that. They, like, tell you what it means in the Greek. So I'm not trying to be, like, artificially, you know, sound smart. I'm really not that smart, actually. Um, but I usually will look up a key word and be like, what else is behind this word? So I'm going to talk briefly about the meaning behind these three words, reign, obey, and offer reign. The Greek word there is baseluo, baseluo. And this word means to be king, to exercise kingly power to reign, possessing all authority to exercise the highest influence and to control. This word is almost all the time used in conjunction with Jesus. And saying in Luke 1, 33 says, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom shall have no end. Luo. Revelation 19.6. What's the sound in heaven going to sound like? It sounds like this. Hallelujah for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Baseluo. It talks about you and I when we, at the end of eternity in life, that we reign with him. Baseluo. But this passage in Romans is talking about don't let sin, Baseluo, reign in your life. Let me read this passage with our expanded meaning. It says, do not let sin, insert the full translation of Baselu, do not let sin be king, ruler, possessing authority, exercising the highest influence to control you. You with me? So that, obey, that's our second word, obey hupakuo, these are words I've learned just this week, <laughs> hupakuo, and that means to listen, to listen to a command as a subordinate, to listen attentively, to heed, to submit to. Hupakuo. It's used in a very specific, interesting cultural context, in the context of a porter. Anybody know what a porter is? It's a doorkeeper. Someone who watches the door and answers like the doorman at a fancy hotel. You ever know those hotels? Like, I even got a guy who watches the door. <laughs> it's the, the meaning of someone who stands on the other side, listens for the knock, opens it. We went to a for a company party about two months ago, went to a speakeasy in San Francisco. Coolest thing ever. You have to go there and like, knock on the door. What's the magic word? You know? Super cool. Porter. Someone who guards the door. 
It's someone who listens and then responds to a request. That's the cultural context for this word. Let me reread the passage with our expanded knowledge of this passage. Do you know that sin be king, ruler, possessing all authority, exercising the highest influence to control you so that you listen attentively, answering its knock, submitting to its request for evil desires. And do not offer, offers our third word, paristeme, paristeme, one of those two. It means to present, to offer, to provide, to place a person or thing at one's disposal, to present or to show. Eric's translation, it means in our language, ta-da is what this really means. It's not just I'm here. It means to like bring and present and almost like have on this platter. This word is used when um, Claudius, the commander, was going to send Paul to the governor Felix because Paul was about to get killed and like this Claudius guy's like, I don't want you causing trouble in my neighborhood. So I'm going to send you to the next authority up and over and get out of my life. And so what he did is he didn't just like send him like, you know, here's a package of food, here's a map, get out there. No, he's like, I'm going to send 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen with you to go to the governor. Paristime, they presented Paul to the governor. Talk about an entourage. Like, who is that on their way? Paristime. You know how else paristime is used? You. When Christ presents you before the Father, you are paristime. You are presented. Ta-da! Right? That's you before the Father with Jesus. In Colossians 1.22 it says, He has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him, holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. Isn't that awesome? Christ looks at you, he's like, hey, Father, I got something awesome to show you. Ta-da! You know, like, I love that meaning. My son, he's two. And uh, I was, like, teaching him a little sleight of hand because it was something I did, like, magic tricks growing up. It was really dorky. And so, like, I love making little goldfish disappear for him. So he, he'll just do it for anything. He tried to make a little baby chick this past week uh, try and disappear and almost killed the baby chick. It was really disturbing. <clears throat> but what this means in this passage, do not paristime yourself to wickedness. Do not present, do not offer. It means do not bring yourself ready for sin and wickedness. Prepared. Do not present yourself so let me reread this passage with our three kind of meanings. Maybe it'll unlock a few things for us. It says, do not let sin reign or become ruler in your life, influencing you so that you obey, always listening to its knocks and the door and doing its commands. And do not offer handing yourself over to sin prepared and ready. This was the story of my life. The combination of these three words of the story of my life, reign, obey, and offer, was a separate part of both my struggle and also my victory. And I'm going to share from these three areas some of my story. 
Now, this message does not just simply apply to my story. It applies to any struggle, any challenge, any temptation, any area of your life, this will apply to. But I'm going to share my story. I'm going to share a story I've never shared before here. Not for really, um, I need to take a glass of water real quick. All of a sudden, I got really nervous. Chinese throwing stars, chainsaws, steak, tri-tip. All right, feeling better again. (laughs) Usually my mother, (laughs) who says it? Usually my mother watches every week. Uh, My mom is in ministry. She's in Portland, Oregon. I grew up there. And so we live stream this every single week. And so, you know, I'll always get like a text after like, oh, it was great. And Jed and Christina did amazing in music and blah, 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 blah. I didn't know that. You know, she'll pull out something about the message. I call on the way home. It's kind of our, our time to chat. Um, my folks were fantastic. fantastic. I grew up in a great Christian home. But in the third grade, I got exposed to pornography on a school bus. Third grade. Not a great childhood, but I know enough to know that that was a little too early. I know that was really hard. And it wasn't like, oh, yeah, well, just, you know little magazine here, a little topless. It wasn't that. It was, it was on a bus, and all of a sudden, the kids started passing. So like, oh, my gosh. Crazy. What is this? I felt like the, my loss of innocence escaped me at third grade. It wasn't just that. Is that after that first one, like the next week, it went just from this one dirty picture to an entire penthouse magazine, which is the... It's the hardcore, like, you, you shouldn't even be 99 years old and see this stuff. And here I am in third grade. And kids, like, bringing it to school, and, and there's this bathroom here, and, like, the kids would come in, and they'll, like, you know, bring different tear-outs and, like, share it around. And I'm just, like, feeling myself, like, getting, like, trapped into this. And then another kid comes by, and this is when the Internet was, like, first starting coming out. And he, like, regularly print off sheets from the Internet, and he would like write instructions on the back of it, how to get to this image, how to find more of this stuff. Third grade. And it's been the source of shame over my life for so long. My folks have no idea. I hope this is the one podcast they don't listen to. They had nothing to do with it. They have no idea. But that set a lock on my life for a long time. I've been trapped into lust and addiction. It's probably one of the reasons I feared my salvation so much. I totally thought I'd ruined my life. To be in the fifth grade, sixth grade, feeling like you've like ruined your life, feeling like you continually lose your salvation, and it was just like, Demon that carried me all the way into college. Just like no one knows. And it wasn't until college where I finally had to confront my issue and trying to eradicate it from my life. And there's two verses that like confronted me with this is first Corinthians six twelve. It says, You will not be mastered by anything. Romans six fourteen, sin shall not be master over you. I'm like, look at this, I'm like, this doesn't apply to me. Because I have a master. I'm totally being mastered by this thing. 
And the Lord, or somebody, gave me this story and it like completely changed my perspective. It's a story of a son who's, I gotta get it together, I'm sorry. That hurt getting out. But there's a story of a son who's swimming in the shore break of the ocean and gets pulled by a riptide and is getting pulled out to sea and he's like seeing the shore like get farther and farther away and the current is so strong, the current's so strong he can't do anything. He's like The harder he swims and he's just swimming and kicking, swimming and kicking and no matter what he does, he keeps going out to sea. And he's yelling, Father, Father, save me, save me. Father's on the beach. Father kind of wades in. The son continues to fall, continues to get drawn out there. And the father yells, Son, son, stand up. Stand up, son, stand up. And he's just like swimming against the current. I keep going farther and farther away from the, the shore. Son, stand up. And, and the son's like, why aren't you coming out and saving me? Come rescue me. Find a boat. Do something. And the father isn't even getting in the water saying, son, stand up. Decides to stand up and he's standing in two feet of water. Had no idea that he could pick himself up and walk right out was trying to fight and use all of his strength and trying to push through it. And it was this, this story that suddenly like rocked me. It's like I'm trying to fight against the current. I'm trying to do all these things. And the Lord just says to me, stand up. And he said so, almost so clearly, I remember this day, is that you can drown in an inch of water if you refuse to stand up. You can drown in an inch of water if you refuse to stand up. The issue of pornography, it's only one inch of water, but you're laying in it face down, refusing to stand up. Stand up. Because you're dead to sin. Sin is not your master. You have total victory. Stand up. You know, you actually can die of starvation with a refrigerator full of food. It's deep. You can die of starvation with a refrigerator full of food if you refuse to open the door and put the food in your mouth. But this brought up another issue in my life. Is that I had been believing that the truth doesn't apply to me. I love it. There's somehow every single testimony winds its way into my message. It's John 4, 22. John 4, 322, or 332, something with the two. 32, there it is. The truth and the truth will set you free. The word truth there is where we actually get our term for reality. The reality will set you free. I feel stuck. I feel addicted. I feel like I'm in bondage. I know how to feel like that. Trust me. It's not the truth. The reality is I actually have no master. The reality is I'm totally free. The reality is I can stand up. The truth will set you free. The reality will set you free. I have to stop clamoring for more Bible verses and just actually stand up in what has already been declared over me. 
That's all that needs to happen is that the reality of what really is, like I need to stop feeling and stop tricking myself into these belief systems that keep me bound up and just look at reality. And let me operate in reality and stand up. See, Jesus was the Lord over my life, but he wasn't the only Lord in my life. It's a big difference there. Jesus was the Lord over my life, but he wasn't the only Lord in my life. Besides standing up, this is what the Lord revealed to me, is that I got many rulers. I got one king, but I got many rulers. You know how we have many rulers and authorities in our life, right? Presidents, governor, mayor, boss, professor, (laughs) wife, right? I mean, we have, we got many levels of, Many rulers that we listen to, we obey. And each one has jurisdiction over different areas. You know, I get in trouble if I leave Christmas lights on too long in my neighborhood. (laughs) There's like fines. Really? Because I want to keep them up all year. But there's different rulers, different authorities. There's different levels of jurisdiction. While Jesus is on the highest throne, the king over my life, I have all these other people have run for office in one election in my life that have been secret. And you might have Jesus as president, but you might have all these other people like I did about having these secret rulers and secret areas of your life. And I discovered these areas were the areas that not only did I have a pornography issue, but I had a rulership issue in my life with all these rulers that had taken place and root in my life. It wasn't that I had to just stand up this one issue. I actually had to confront all the many rulers in my life that were influencing me. Because porn wasn't the issue. The issue is that anytime, anywhere, you allow something else besides Christ to have authority over you. The pornography was just like one symptom of it. But the issue is that I had allowed areas of my life to come under the influence of something else other than Christ. Is that making sense? And so I had to dethrone all these mini rulers. And when I started kicking out one ruler, I, fe- I found out there's a lot of other ones. The ruler of my music, the ruler of my movies, the ruler of my words, the ruler of my websites, the ruler of what I thought was funny. I like to laugh. I like to go to movies. I like to have really good, hard laughs. It's like, but it's really funny. And it's really inappropriate. And that's okay. It's just a movie. It's just funny. It's just 40-year-old virgin. No problem. And all these like mini rulers in every little category of my life. The ruler of who I'm friends with. But they're really cool. Like they're really influential. Like maybe they'll come to Jesus. Come on. Come on. Is Jesus reigning in your life? Absolutely. But is he the only one ruling? That's another question. I suggest that any area of your life that is under the influence of sin is actually under the influence of a secret ruler. We try to eradicate sin, but we never ask ourselves who's providing the authorship to that. If you're under the uh, influence of a secret ruler, it's probably mastered by a lie. The lie that allowed me to be mastered by is that I'm addicted I don't say those words anymore. You're not addicted to anything. That's declaring a curse over yourself. 
You might feel addicted, but you're not. The reality will set you free. You're not. But I let that lie have this little rulership into my heart, into my life that I can't do anything about it. Now, what's interesting about rulers? They don't just sit there and like, ah, I'm in power. They (laughs) exercise their position of influence, don't they? Unless you're in Congress. But that's a different story. (laughs) A ruler, by definition, couldn't help it. A ruler, by definition, rules. They exert influence. You know what happens when you have multiple rulers is that we have to listen to multiple sources and obey multiple sources. We have federal laws, you get California laws, Sacramento laws, ESAC laws. You have all these laws. Fines for not picking up your dog poo in my neighborhood. It's like, come on. For far too long, I listened to what each of these secret rulers were saying. Some things like, because they all have an opinion. Every guy does it. It's no big deal. You're not alone. Every, most of it is like every guy does it. It's normal. You know, comparison. Success by lowering expectations. It's okay because everyone else does it. Was a justification. Or it's no big deal. It's no big deal. It has no, no effects. No effects. It's just images. It's just thoughts. It's not real. So I really struggled with obeying these rulers because I would listen to them. I would love the meaning behind the obey word, the hupakuo, like a porter. Because once you kick all the secret rulers out, you actually need to become a good doorkeeper. Remember, hupakuo means kind of like doorkeeper, doorman, person who listens to the knock. Once you kick all these rulers out, you actually need to become an expert in being a good doorman of your life. Because when you kick someone out, no one likes to be kicked out. They want to stay where they're at. And if they get kicked out, they want to come back. They want to sneak in. So you can do all the work here and you can like eradicate, have a powerful night and you can like poof, push out all the rulers of your life and you're like, yeah! But if you don't guard that door, if you don't like discriminate that knock, they're going to come right back in. And you know what? Then they're pissed. They're like, I ain't going out this next time. And like, I'm going to make it even worse for you. Just because you did that. So when you have victory in these areas, you need to become the best guardian of your door, of your heart, and your life that you can be. It's not that I'm so good at resisting pornography now. It's that I'm actually a really good doorman of my heart. I'm a really good doorman of my life. Those knocks that happen on your life, don't answer them. It's weird, like, you know, the whole kind of hookup culture right now where people, like, meeting for the first time. There's a guy who knocked on our door at, like, 11.30 p.m. looking for a girl, and I'm like, she's not here, and I'm not her. (laughs) Can I use your internet, bro? Nope. (laughs) See ya. I'm not being an accessory to whatever you're trying to accomplish. You don't have to open the door. You're like, no, you're not coming in. I'm sorry. I don't care how hot she is. You're not coming in. I don't care what you need to do. You're not getting through that door. I have knocks on the door of my life all the time. I've eradicated all those rulers, but, oh, I'm traveling. I got a hotel room by myself. Not answering it. I'm Skype, and I get a woman, female request on Skype. I'm never on Skype. Why are you friend requesting me? No. 
I'm reading news articles. I'm not reading like something in general at the bottom. 15 most embarrassing bikini bloopers. No, I'm not answering that door. Like, stop. These knocks are everywhere. You're in the checkout stand buying like a piece of gum in that magazine right there. Who's got plastic surgery? Turn to page 14. No, I'm not answering that door. And just because there's a knock, that doesn't mean you need to even see who it is. It's like, there's nothing that's going to good, good that comes from answering that door. I don't even want to know your name. I don't even know what's behind it. But isn't that lure like, oh, I'm sure, like, the bloopers are funny. You know, like, you don't do that. I hope that plastic surgery turned out really well. You know, like, we don't need to know that stuff. And that's where the battle is fought and won and lost. You do not have to obey. You do not have to listen. Kick these many rulers out and refuse to answer the door when it knocks on your life asking for you to listen. Now, I didn't do just a good job of keeping myself from sin. In fact, I regularly offered myself to sin in my younger years. I really, like, prepared myself to sin. It's like I wasn't like, oh, this is an accident. How did I get on this webpage? It wasn't like that at all. And sure, like, it's like we nibble a little bit. We like, oh, I'll just go here, a little here. And then, hey, how did I wind up here? But you know what? I'm like, I knew it the whole entire way going. I was presenting myself to my own temptation on a silver platter. People ask me now, how are you so good at internet temptation now? It's like I'm actually completely unavailable for it right now. I'm not in, my calendar's booked. How about next, my calendar's booked. I'm completely unavailable. Remember that present, it means to make one available, to put on a platter, like, I'm completely unavailable for this temptation. I'm sorry, try again later, or never. I'm not doing it. And so the secret rulers of your life, they're trying to book appointments in your heart, in your life. It sounds kind of like this, like, so how does next Sunday at 11.30 p.m. work? You know, we could, like, look at people's social media, completely feel jealous and depressed, maybe, you know, think that everyone's in a relationship except for you, and maybe, like, reach out to the ex-girlfriend who, you know, like, used to satisfy your needs. Can we do that at 11.30 next week? That's how the ruler sets up appointments for you. Or how about, man, I really feel down on my self-worth. Maybe I'll go seek unhealthy attention from men at clubs who are drunk. And maybe I'll, before I go, take a picture of a selfie that intentionally has a little cleavage that's there. And I'll take it like three times to make it like it's, not I'm getting in trouble, but enough. And maybe I'll post it on Snapchat and get a few strangers that will make inappropriate comments. How about we do that next week? But that's the reality of our lives, okay? That's like, it sounds crude for me to put in those ways, but that's really how the enemy works in your life to try and to customize your temptation in the wrong time, in the wrong night, in the wrong way. Why did you sin? Because why did I sin? Because you made yourself available for it. Why did I stumble? Because you were available. Stop making yourself available for it. How did this happen? And it's like, well, isn't this the outcome you wanted? Because your decisions look like you planned it this way. In fact, I don't know if I could have done it better. We need to ask ourselves the sin, the struggle we have. Like when we look back at it, we're like, yeah, I kind of did want that at the time. 
We need to stop like blaming other people and other things. We got to look at ourselves and it's, you know, I, I kind of chuckle when people are like, the devil's after me, he's coming after me, I can't hide from him. What'd you do? We slept together. Okay. Um, bummer, how'd that happen? Well, you know, like, he was late. We decided to watch Netflix and just cuddle. And then she wanted a back rub. And, you know, I meant her front was really sore. I mean, she really needed that. And it's like, oh, <laughs> duh. Like, come on. Come on. Like, I get it, but come on. And we need to understand. We need to, like, have our eyes wide open to the ways that we watch the self kind of court us into our compromise. And when I cleaned house... I stopped making myself available. I decided to completely make myself unavailable for the temptations that brought me into bondage. The only way I was going to escape my bondage is to make myself completely unavailable for what led me there. So why am I sharing this now? Because I carried for a long time a lot of this shame. It's like, you know, it's like one of these like secret areas. Like I, 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 it's not like I know other people know, but it's one thing to share publicly before you guys. But also I, I share because I, now I can stand before you today and say I've actually been victorious in sin ruling this area of my life for now over 13 years. And it's like, I just like, at that time, all I need to get to is one day. Not only do you get to like just two days and then just like one week and then if I can get to a week, can I get out to a month? And if I can get to a month, can I get to two months? If I can get to two months, can I get to a year? And so I've been on that. If I can get to 13 years, I can get to the rest of my life. I'm completely unavailable for it. I'm not listening to the knocks. I'm cleaning out all the rulers. And it all started when I realized I was face down in a one inch of water refusing to stand up and the father said, stand up. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Awesome. Is he the only Lord of your life? Maybe you need to ask. Maybe you need to find. He's not just the Lord of my life right now. He's like the Lord of my internet, my text messages, my phone, the Lord of my email, the Lord of my channel surfing. He's got to be the Lord of it all. I can't like allow permission for me to say, God, you can have it all, right? And then like, except for this. We do that. You can have it all except my relationship. <laughs> we can't play that piecemeal way of doing it. And a ruler knows that when he's about to kick out, he starts panicking. He's going to pull every trick in the book. Those of you tonight, you're like, I got to stand up out of this one inch of water I'm in. I got to stand up. I got to like eradicate these rulers. It's not going to be like, I'm free. Like, it's going to be, I'm in a dog fight now. But the dogs bark loudest on the door of your destiny. When you approach that time, when you approach that door, the dogs on the other side are going to bark the loudest and it's going to provide the biggest intimidation that you can have because they don't want to leave. A ruler that's about to Get overthrown, freaks out. And so as you begin to identify these rulers, prepare to know that that's just part of the process. Why don't I lift weights? Because they're heavy. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> they are. <laughs> Why is truth powerful? Because it's tough. Because it actually requires you to push for it. 
And once you kick them out, don't listen to them. They're liars. If they try and like knock to get back in, don't listen to them. The music's not that good. Those friends are not that good. That girlfriend, not that good. <laughs> they are not worthy of your compromise. Are you available or unavailable? Choose tonight how available you are for it. I'm going to have Eric come forward now. If you guys would be bold enough to make a response tonight, tonight would be a great night to do it. I can do something I've never, I'm, I'm on a streak of never doing things ever, <laughs> or doing things the first time. Um, could you just close your eyes? If you're someone who's got something in your life, you feel like you've been swimming against the current, it doesn't need to be my issue, it can be any issue. And you're like, man, this thing is like getting me. It's still there. And that story of the father yelling, stand up from that one inch of water, that two feet of water to stand up. Would you be so bold tonight to make a response? Would you actually stand up in a symbol of declaration of victory? Would you stand right now if that's you? If you feel that your face is face down in water and you're like, it's time for me to stand up. And actually, I want to encourage everybody, open your eyes. It's amazing. I actually texted the sound man and said, find some music because we're not going to have the worship band come up. If you're, we have the very same idea. And we respect you enough, and I'm standing with you. All of you that are standing, I'm standing with you tonight. But I want to ask you, when Eric was preaching, is there nothing in your life that you had to admit to yourself? I have another ruler besides the Lordship of Christ. I don't gossip. I don't overeat. I don't overshop. I don't have bitterness. I'm, I don't have fear of man. I can boldly stand for Christ. Because if you related to any of those things, you will never find your freedom. If you can't stand in this group, you're not going to stand somewhere else. And we respect you enough to ask you, stand. It's the only way you get freedom. It is the only way you'll ever get freedom. Eric and I had a, I already made my stand at lunch today with Eric. So I just want to, Aaron, if you can turn the worship music on, and I want you to have just some private time with the Lord. And as you sit here, if something comes to you, don't be ashamed to stand. Don't be ashamed. So I just want to encourage you do some business with the Lord tonight is not a night for us to pray for you at the front talk to God about why you're standing and those of you who are sitting make sure that you're supposed to be sitting it's, We're going to take it one step further. 
something that I never had. I never had this moment where I got to recognize myself amongst others. Could you just put a hand on those who are around you that are standing? Put your hands on them. And just, just for 30 seconds, declare freedom over them. Declare the pleasure of the Father over them. Declare their victory. Declare their reality. There is no master over you. There's nothing about you that you cannot overcome. There's nothing that the cross did not pay for. Declare their clear vision to see what they're standing in and to stand. Jesus, we break the power of shame. We break the stronghold that shame has in keeping us isolated. We stand as a community, as brothers and sisters, as the body that says that when you suffer, I suffer. When you fall, I fall. I want to remind you as we end tonight with Proverbs 24, 16. It says, a righteous man falls seven times but gets back up again. The righteous man falls seven times but gets back up again. What makes you righteous is not the absence of falling. It's the actual continuation that you stand back up. Yeah, Lord. Jesus, we just are in awe of your power and authority to do marvelous powers of of works and wonders in our life. We just say yes, Jesus, to our own personal victory and the reality of our victory that we already possess. Thank you, Lord. And I want to give you just a moment to think if everybody could drop hands off of. If you stood tonight, you're in great company. If this is your first time here and you wonder, are we always this bold and this real? Yes, we are. And you are free to uh, enter into that at your own speed. But I also want to ask those of you who stood, who are you, what's your, uh, what, how are you going to sustain what you stood for? Who are you going to tell? Because you're not going to, you keep it to yourself and you will not be able to stand. So let me give you just a moment. Ask Holy Spirit, who is a person that I should tell? And this is not your girlfriend that you like to gossip with. It's not your buddy that you're inappropriate with all the time. Who's a person that I know is strong in the area? So I'm going to be quiet for a minute. You ask Holy Spirit, who am I supposed to tell about this?
awesome. Because if you're listening, it doesn't take the Holy Spirit long to tell you. It's interesting, Eric broke shame off. All the things that the Holy Spirit told me to do at the end of the service, Eric did. So I just want to bless you tonight. And thank you so much for your honesty, your transparency, the hope that you give the room when you stand, the hope that you give the room when you don't stand, but then you pray for those around you. So I just want to bless you tonight. I break the power of darkness off your mind, how you see yourself. I break the power of the orphan spirit that cannot admit anything that's wrong. Oh. I break every lie, every word curse, and every accusation that's been spoken over you that would keep you silent when you need to open your mouth and tell someone the truth. I break the power of religion off you that makes you afraid to be real that makes you want to hide, that makes it hard for us to stand in front of others and give a true testimony that has power and authority. And I speak life over you. You're a son. You're a daughter. You have great value. Nothing you can tell us is going to shock us. Somebody in our group has your testimony and probably more. You keep coming back. You'll hear it from the front. And you'll get traction on the things that you're fighting. I bless you as a son, a daughter in the kingdom, a brother and a sister. And I just speak life over you tonight and hope and courage and strength and stamina and perseverance. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Something for you, if, if the Lord spoke to you tonight is to write this date down and write what the Lord is talking to you. Any great move of God in the Bible, he told them, like, build piles of rocks because they didn't have smartphones in Evernote. <laughs> they didn't have partridges. They had to carve things in stone. So you have it a lot easier, but the point is, is to not forget the great things that God does in your life and the things that he highlights to you because I tell you what, the very next step for you tonight is actually going to be to try and forget what was said in your heart. What the Holy Spirit revealed is going to try and like swipe, sweep that away and like, oh, that was, that was, you know, emotional weakness I just had. Don't do it. Don't fall for it. Go home and write a note. Write something in your phone now. Mark the date. For me, when I finally put this, say, this is the last time I'm, I'm doing this. I wrote it down. I've lost it since, but I did it. But I don't care. At this point, the mile marker doesn't matter because I've walked the victory, which is more important. But do that if that's something the Lord revealed in your heart tonight. I love you guys. Thanks for being here. I'll be in the back for any people that have questions or guys I want to talk to.